Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, May 16. We have just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count that takes you up to the next biblical feast, which is Shavuot or Pentecost. The giving of the Torah happened at Shavuot exactly 50 days after the children of Israel left Egypt. A few thousand years later, on the exact same day, Shavuot, Yeshua's followers gathered in the upper room for a prayer meeting. On Shavuot, also known as Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out in great power with a mighty wind and tongues of flames. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year, Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at sunset on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kidshanu mitzvotav zivanu al-sefirat haomer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments, and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad Laomer. Today is the thirtieth day of the counting of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Bahar, and it means on the mount. Leviticus 25, 11-20 This fiftieth year will be a jubilee for you. During that year you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own, and don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. It will be a jubilee year for you, and you must keep it holy. But you may eat whatever the the land produces on its own. In the year of jubilee each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. When you make an agreement with your neighbor to buy or sell property, you must not take advantage of each other. When you buy land from your neighbor, the price you pay must be based on the number of years since the last jubilee. The seller must set the price by taking into account the number of years remaining until the next year of jubilee. The more years until the next jubilee, the higher the price. The fewer years, the lower the price 
After all, the person selling the land is actually selling you a certain number of harvests. Show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord your God. If you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations. Then the land will yield large crops, and you will eat your fill and live securely in it. But you might ask, what will we eat during the seventh year since we are not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured that I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year, so the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. First Samuel eighteen five to nineteen twenty four. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next they will be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp, as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over one thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. One day Saul said to David, I am ready to give you my older daughter Merib as your wife. But first you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him, rather than doing it myself. Who am I, and what is my family in Israel, that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed. My father's family is nothing. So, when the time came for Saul to give his daughter Merib in marriage to David, he gave her instead to Adriel, a man from Mahola. In the meantime, Saul's daughter, Michelle, had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David he said, Today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Then Saul told his men to say to David, The king really likes you, and so do we. 
Why don't you accept the king's offer and become his son-in-law? When Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, How can a poor man from a humble family afford the bride price for the daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported this back to the king, he told them, Tell David that all I want for the bride price is one hundred Philistine foreskins. Vengeance on my enemies is all I really want. But what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. David was delighted to accept the offer. Before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and killed two hundred Philistines. Then David fulfilled the king's requirement by presenting all their foreskins to him. So Saul gave his daughter Michelle to David to be his wife. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter Michelle loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him, and he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Every time the commanders of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful against them than all the rest of Saul's officers, so David's name became very famous. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David, but Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me, and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. The next morning Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant, and how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. But one day, when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him. As David played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning, but Michelle, David's wife, warned him, If you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed, covered it with blankets, and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. When the troops came to arrest David, she told them he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. But Saul sent the troops back to get David. He ordered, Bring him to me in his bed so I can kill him. 
but when they came to carry David out, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair on its head. Why have you betrayed me like this and let my enemy escape? Saul demanded of Michelle. I had to, Michelle replied. He threatened to kill me if I didn't help him. So David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel, and he told him all that Saul had done to him. Then Samuel took David with him to live at Naoth. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naoth in Ramah, he sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also began to prophesy. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived at the great well in Seku. Where are Samuel and David? he demanded. They are at Naoth and Ramah, someone told him. But on the way to Naoth and Ramah, the Spirit of God came even upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. People who were watching exclaimed, What, is even Saul a prophet? John 8, 31-59 Yeshua said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean, you will be set free? Yeshua replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Yeshua replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Yeshua told them, If God were your father, you would love me, because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. 
but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. The people retorted, You Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Yeshua said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, Now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died, but you say, Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Yeshua answered, If I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, You aren't even fifty years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Yeshua answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Yeshua was hidden from them and left the temple. Psalm 112, 1-10 Praise the Lord! How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands! Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away, their hopes thwarted. Proverbs 15, 12-14 Mockers hate to be corrected, so they stay away from the wise. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. I want to speak to you today from 1 Samuel 18. And in this chapter we see that Saul begins to turn against David. And we also get a glimpse into the spirit world and get some key strategic information on how to handle uh, demonic spirits. So, let's set the stage. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet Saul, King Saul, and they sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And this is what they sang. Verse 7, Saul has killed his thousands, and David 
his ten thousands. Verse 8. This made Saul very angry. What is this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Okay, that's a big key right there. Emotions are often, not always, but often attached to demonic spirits. Negative emotions. And the emotion that Saul is experiencing is jealousy. That's what he feels. And so that has opened up a door into his soul to a demonic spirit of jealousy. So we can look at our, the emotions that we might, might be experiencing, and it's like looking at the dashboard on your car. And on the dashboard, you can see your speedometer of how fast are you going. You can see your uh, gauge for how much gas you have in the tank. And so these emotions, if you're feeling fear or anger or jealousy or anxiety, That's uh, an indication of what demonic spirit might be attacking you. So Saul is experiencing jealousy. And in verse 9, verse 10, let's see what happens next. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp, as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Now, in times past, his playing of the harp caused any tormenting spirits to depart and to leave. But this time, uh, that spirit of jealousy probably had um, another critter attached to it. I call the demon the critter. And it was a spirit of murder. And that spirit wasn't going to leave. That spirit wanted to kill David. So David is battling, not just with Saul, but with the spirits and the principalities and the wicked forces in high places. He's battling with demons that Saul has allowed into his life. So when Saul chose to be jealous of David, it granted a permission slip to the spirit of jealousy, the demon of jealousy, to come into him into the house of his soul so that's the big key in principle is that negative emotions are often but not always attached to demonic spirits and so when you are experiencing a negative emotion that's an indicator that it's time to repent so how do we get rid of demonic spirits we repent And there's a specific prayer that you can pray to get rid of demonic spirits, either for yourself or if you're praying for someone else. Let's do an example of that prayer now, and we'll use jealousy, the spirit of jealousy, as our example. So here's how you pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent, I renounce, and I reject the spirit of jealousy in my life. This permission slip is canceled. Spirit of jealousy, you leave now in the name of Yeshua. You are evicted. You are no longer welcome. 
in my soul. I close the door on the spirit of jealousy, and I seal it in the blood of Yeshua. Holy Spirit, please come now. Heal my heart and reveal your truth to me. And then you pause and you listen and you wait upon the Lord and he will speak to you. He will replace lies with truth. He will speak words of love and comfort and peace. He may give a scripture to you. You may get a picture or a vision. He may whisper something very personal just to you. This prayer you can pray for all kinds of issues. It can be abandonment, rejection, self-hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. Whatever it might be, it's a very powerful prayer. And it does the work of getting rid of the demons that attack us. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.